0: I'll, I'll admit it, I, <laughs> I don't understand you people. I mean, I do not understand you people at all. And by you people, I mean specifically recruiters, though frankly, it's, to be honest, I don't understand people generally uh, pretty well. <laughs> I think this podcast has done nothing but proven that. Um, I posted something on LinkedIn, you know, and, and some days you just write one of those kind of goofy, here, I'm, th- I'm just throwing this out, kind of LinkedIn posts, and you think nothing of it, and then it just kind of explodes and it was weird. I mean, it's literally the most trafficked post on my LinkedIn history um, by a factor of five. I mean, it's not even close. It's just insane. The number, I'm sorry, not a factor of five, a factor by about two and a half. Um, it's insane. It's just absolutely insane. The number of people who commented on this, who argued with it, who liked it, who viewed it, whatever. It's just nuts. And I wanna talk about recruiting's 99% problem because I think two thirds of you get this. And one third of you wants to argue. And the two-thirds of you who get this, this should be entertaining and useful and maybe help you provide a little context or thought around the next time you want to have a good argument with your boss or your boss's boss about maybe we're doing this wrong or maybe there's a better strategy here. And for the one-third of people who want to argue that I'm wrong, step up, kids. Here we go. Welcome to The Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question, got a topic, got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So if you check the show notes, here's all the places I'm speaking. I uh, wanted. to do some two quick shout-outs. Uh, three, actually. Quick shout-out, Talent Brand Summit. If I'm going to see you in, if you're going to be in Austin and you don't come up and say hello to me, what is wrong with you? I'm begging you to say hello to me. Just say hello to me. I promise to be super nice. And it turns out in person, I'm a lot more reserved than this podcast is. And you can make your own judgments on that. Two, I'm going to be an ERE um, in San Diego in April. You should absolutely show up to that thing. It's a big conference. Um, I'm actually literally going to have to put together my travel plans right after this. And then thirdly, RecFest in London the biggest uh, attendance of recruiters and recruiter type people in the world, I believe. They're looking for 3,000 seats. Yeah, it's gonna be Coachella for recruiters. Hopefully more Coachella than Fire Festival, I'm pretty sure. I feel pretty confident. I know two of the guys who run this thing, and I feel pretty confident they can pull this off. Um, they've been doing this for a couple years now. They know what they're doing. This is no jaw Rule kind of situation here where somebody's just gonna say, yeah, it's fine. We just show up and uh, and pay Instagram followers to make people show up to this recruiting festival. it would be great. It'll be great, I promise. Anyway, I'm gonna be there, and uh, it's the first time I'm in, I'm in London since I was literally a year old. So. So prepare yourself, London. Uh, there you go. So anyway, let's talk about recruiting's 99% problem. And by the way, only one cup of coffee so far. So I'm, I am i feel like I'm fighting it. I feel like I'm fighting it. So here we go. Um, Let's play the game. Let's play this game particularly. Okay, you as a recruiter type person, uh, whether you're a sourcer, whether you're a recruiter, whether you're a recruitment leader, whether you're an employer brand person, let's just call you a talent acquisition professional, um, you know, (laughs) let's just, you know, for the sake of argument and or podcast. Let's just say you're a talent acquisition professional and your job, as has been explained to you by hiring managers and bosses alike, that your job is to go fill this seat. Now, the process by which we put a button in a seat or fill a role or complete a requisition is pretty standard. It differs a couple different ways, but in small ways. Really, it's a function of, I'm gonna take this job requisition and turn it into a job posting. And sometimes that takes 10 seconds, meaning copy and paste, and sometimes I actually write something that matters. And please, for the love of God, write something useful. Anybody who's just copying from the job posting or copying from the job description should stop. Now, anyway, uh, so you take it and you put it and you put it on in your, tool, your, your ATS system and it shows up on a career site where you're hoping that hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people will see it. And then you spend real money, real currency, real transactional, transferable, convertible into goods and service money to put it on job boards. Now, some of you say, I'm just going to put it on the big one and I don't need to say who that is. We all know who that is, or when some of you say, I'm going to use a tool that spreads it to to hundreds of job boards just because they're all niche and I wanna make sure I hit the female uh, Hispanic community and I wanna make sure I hit the data science community and I wanna make sure I hit the trucking drivers community and thank you for listening last week for the truck driver one. Um, you spend real money to push this job posting out to job boards, right? Some of you, maybe not directly but maybe indirectly, spend money putting that, that job posting on an ad All right, well, let's not forget, some of you spend money to make sure that 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 job posting is promoted within the job board, meaning it is the first search result for anything even vaguely related, which explains why sometimes when I search for a job for employer brand, I get hairdresser jobs. Why? Because they were promoted in using the broadest terms possible. It's happening less now, but still, and you can promote anything. Um, You can spend money to do all that stuff. You can spend money to make ads that show up in the New York Times and Wired and uh, I don't know, Field and Stream and I don't know, wherever you get your news on the internet, you know, The Verge or uh, the AV Club or The Onion and all those places, you can pu- spend money to put your job posting on an ad that shows up in a non recruiting site. So you can get that coveted passive candidate space, right? You have all these different tools. Oh, let's not forget social. Let us not forget social. Let's think of all the time you spend posting those jobs on Facebook to which no one responds, or to Twitter, to which definitely nobody responds. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, you put all that time to put it all on there. Somebody makes sure that it gets inputted via feed so that it shows up on LinkedIn and all those other places and Glassdoor and all the places you spend money to make sure your jobs spread, right? There's a good five to ten year period uh, this century. I think hopefully it's dead now, but I don't know that it is, in which the primary focus of how do we attract more people, the answer and our strategy was put our jobs in more places, make our jobs easier to find, right? Let's just make sure it's on every single job board. Let's make sure it's on every single ad platform. Let's make sure it's on every single job hunting tool. Let's make sure, let's make sure, let's make sure, let's spread it around. I refer to this as the dandelion strategy, meaning you blow the dandelion and the milkweed and it kind of spreads everywhere and eventually you'll get the right candidate and it worked it works. I know it works because I've seen it work. I know it works because it keeps working if you squint real hard. right? All of that effort and money, let's be serious about this. Don't tell me you don't have money. You spend the money on these things. All those resources, time, and money is spent to attract, to create what effectively is the biggest conceivable dragnet in history. You throw that dragnet out in the ocean and you hope that along with you know, that, or that you collect the fish that you're looking for, whether it's salmon, whether it's shrimp. I don't know how to catch fish. I've been watching a lot of Ugly Delicious lately. Um, you know, what doesn't matter what you're catching. You're If you have a bigger net, you're more likely to catch the thing you want, right? It's just base logic. You can't argue with it. You really can't. And I'm not gonna try to. That's why I said the strategy works. It absolutely works. If you're trying to catch a single fish way out in the ocean, you should have a bigger net. It's far more efficient and effective than getting a spear and and playing Finding Nemo and getting a snorkel or a scuba mask or whatever and diving down and looking for that one fish and trying to grab that one particular fish. Getting that one particular fish is really, really hard. Yes, this is my way of actually saying nice things about a sorcerer, (laughs) if you can believe it, or headhunting or executive recruiting, however you wanna see that. So most recruiters focus on a dragnet dandelion approach, biggest possible net. Except what happens when when you pull that net up. Chances are most times, let's call it six times out of ten, the candidate you need is in that net along with some other good second place choices, some good alternates, some good, you know what, if it doesn't quite work out, this other person would be pretty good too and could do the job and I feel pretty comfortable presenting them to the hiring manager, right? That's a win for you and we say done and we go about our lives. Wrong. Turn around. Turn around and look at, look at all the other things your net picked up. Look at all the other fish that weren't quite big enough. Look at all the other fish that weren't quite the right species. Look at all of the squid that your audience will never ever in a million years eat because you were looking for fish, not squid um, or octopus or whatever. Look at all of the dead shells and dead clams that you've scraped off the seabed. Look at all of the rocks and coral and gunk. And let's be fair, somewhere in there is some fish poop. I mean, you You got some gunk. You've got some stuff, right? You've got seaweed. You've got litter and garbage. You've collected a lot of stuff. Now, you throw it back because what would you need with that crap? I mean, you don't want that stuff. You got the thing you want. You found the fish you want. You present it to the hire manager, you do your rigmarole, you do your screeners, you do your interviews, you do your selection process and interview pools and feedback, and you do your little interviewee dance and you pick one and you make an offer and hopefully they say yes and boo, you close the wreck and boom, go get yourself a drink. Go get yourself a coffee or a drink. Either way, I don't care. depends on what what time of day you're at. To again, turn around. Do you see what's behind you, all of the stuff that you are choosing to throw back? Now, yes, some of it's garbage. And frankly, why are you throwing garbage back? That's just poor form. But you're also throwing back these little fishes and squids and octopus and, and, and corals and other fish of the wrong type of fish and all that other stuff. You're throwing them back. How much fun do you think they had in this process? Do you think they went, "Wee, cool, this is great, right? This is fantastic. I love being scraped up by a net and thrown into a place where I can't breathe for a minute or two while I get sorted and I get tossed back in the ocean. I mean, that just freaking hurts. That sucks. That sucks. Now, when I talk about that, recruiters start to get a little uncomfortable because they get the sense of where they think I'm going with this. And they're mostly right. They're mostly right. I have had recruiters in my LinkedIn post explain to me that candidates should not feel butt hurt about being rejected. They should not feel disappointed that they were rejected. Hey, they didn't have the skills. Hey, they were the wrong kind of person. Hey, they didn't have the— They should never have applied in the first place. Okay, that's valid. That's valid. Except here's some situations. Here's some real-life, not-kidding-around situations. One, that job posting that you put up there whose sole purpose was to attract the most possible people. And I know this to be true. Why? Because at no point in your job posting do you say, here's why you'll hate to work here. At no point do you say, please do not apply unless you have exactly this. You use safe words like, Expectations or requirements, which we all know are bullshit. There's not requirements. We, the, the studies have shown, <clears throat> excuse me, studies show that if you have six requirements, chances are only four of them are actual requirements, but we got to guess what they are. we got to guess. That job posting is so poorly written, I can't figure out exactly what the hell it is you're asking for. I don't, can't tell exactly what level this is. I can't tell if it's a $50,000 job or a $150,000 job because it's so crappily written. You've put together the biggest possible dragnet because you don't know what you want. So, consequently, you're just going to grab everything, which kind of throws the whole, well, they didn't know, don't they know that they're not qualified argument out of the water. That's on the recruiter. That is absolutely on the recruiter and HRBP, depending on who writes your job posting. But the focus of all, just look around, just look around as a recruiter, look at every single tool you use. They're all designed for the biggest possible dragnet. You are perfectly fine capturing a hairdresser resume for a data science job. It still adds to the number because maybe, I don't know, they might know a data scientist I guess? I don't know. You are perfectly happy pulling that up until the moment you have to start filtering and winnowing and figure out exactly which of those mass, you know, pile of fish guts are the is the fish that you really want. I, I gotta get away from this fish metaphor. Um, You write a job description to grab as many people as humanly possible. Let me ask this question. When you have the bullet points that say we, you know, this is the part where most recruiters get really unnerved. They say things like, well, look, we make it very clear. For example, must know intermediate-level Excel. That's crystal clear. If you don't know intermediate-level Excel, do not apply. Well, first off, it doesn't write that way. You write it like these are things you'll be doing. Okay, great. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. That's a softer way of saying must have an absolute requirement. Do not apply unless you have, which you never use because that's too scary. You might scare the fishies away, which is bullshit. Anyway, when you say intermediate level of experience in Excel, everybody knows what you mean, right? Everybody knows that you mean pivots but not VLOOKUPs. Or it means pivots and VLOOKUPs but not macros and not VBA script, right? We all know that, right? Oh, we don't. To some people, intermediate Excel experience means I know how to read a formula or I know how to write a base level formula. For some people, it means pivot tables. For some people, it means VLOOKUPs. For some people, it means scripting abilities. When you say, must have intermediate Excel experience, what the hell does that mean? You don't know because you don't know Excel. The the hiring manager isn't going to tell you because you don't have a great relationship with your hiring manager. And frankly, they think the best way to do this is to cast the biggest possible net and let you figure out how to filter it out. Thanks very much. And so consequently, we just say Excel. Must need Excel. No reason why. Know how you're going to use it. No definitive statements. No explan explanatory explanatory statements around how much Excel, what kind of, what parts of Excel, how you'll be using it, when you'll be using it, for what purpose you'll be using it. Simply must know intermediate level of Excel. And here's 17 more bullets that are equally useless. Right? You're designed designing every aspect. You're pushing your job post to every job board. You're promoting them be the number top. Why? Not because you want to hire the person, but because you want to attract every possible applicant, hoping that the dragnet collects the person you need. Right? Your ATS very rarely says, and I've seen it in only a handful of circumstances, do not apply unless you have these two qualifications. Sometimes it's a citizenship requirement just because they can't sponsor a visa. Sometimes it's must-have-a-car or reliable transportation. Sometimes you have to have two years' experience doing a thing. I've seen that now and then. There is a filter in this process, but that is so rare, so unbelievably rare, and that doesn't matter. Entry-level, experienced, executive, doesn't matter. That is so rare. You are casting the widest possible net. So recruiters really can't say, well, they shouldn't have bothered to apply. They can't get butthurt about the fact that we rejected them if they, they should have known not to apply when the recruiter is part of the process of asking everybody and their dog to apply. Let's talk about that word rejection. We don't hear that very often in our business. We use that other word, right? Disposition, which is such a great euphemism. It's, uh, reject sounds bad. Reject sounds like something a girl did to me in high school. Let's be fair. That happened a lot. Um... And in college, you know, and after college. Okay, so look, let's not get into that. But we use the word reject, and that's a bad thing, right? Basketball players, they rejected the ball. That's fantastic. That's a great play. That's a, that's a play that she show up on TV, right? That's a that's a power play. That's a move. That's a thing. Disposition just sounds like, like a scientific process. It's like a paper with evaporation or distillation. Right? It's something that happens. It's just a a physical, chemical, you know, principle or process that nature makes happen. Nature being, of course, your ATS in this weird example. And we use the word disposition because it's a much safer word. And you'll notice I'm going to use the word safe a lot in this conversation. A lot, because I think in a lot of ways we are hiding behind safe processes to make things a little easier and to hide and protect ourselves from the messy that is our job, right? the disposition is 9 times out of 10 or on 99 times out of 100 or let's be fair, 999 times out of 1,000 the form letter. So you have spent real money and explain this to me. Just make sure I'm understanding this. You have spent real time and money building marketing materials and distributing said marketing materials and paying money to distribute said marketing materials to the widest possible audience and when they show up, you, and you've elevated their expectations, you've elevated their hopes, you want them to be excited about working at this job, at this, at this, job, at this, at this role uh, this, for this company. You want them to be excited for this thing. And in the process, you collect for safety, for numbers, let's call it 100 applications. How many of them are going to get the form letter? Okay, so in the process, let's, let's step through it to make sure we're all crystal clear. In the process, the recruiter sees 100 applicants within their ATS. They go, okay, I'm going to close, the, close the, uh, the rec for the moment or pause it anyway just so I can start to see if the fish is in the net. Right? And all they do at this point is to start to run through the resumes. Now I love that statistic and I, my wife is a career coach and she teaches people who have just gone through a boot camp how recruiters think and what – because the, the understanding of how a human being gets a job in the modern age is so out of whack right now with the reality. Right, you know, They're looking to impress a recruiter. No one needs to impress a recruiter, especially the first phase. The job isn't—you don't get the job by impressing the recruiter. You get the job by impressing the hire manager. How do you get to the hire manager? By not having two heads and showing quite clearly to the recruiter that you are worth bringing to the hire manager, right? So when you see those statistics that say the recruiters only spend a couple of seconds reviewing a resume, to a candidate, that sounds insane. That sounds absolutely insane. How, they think to themselves, can a recruiter possibly look at my resume for 10, 15, Oh, maybe a whopping 30 seconds. Read it, understand it, evaluate it, and decide how much money I should be making. And of course, these are candidates who don't understand the recruiting process and they don't understand that at this stage, when you have 100 resumes, the job of the recruiter is to find the thing that allows them to say, nope, next. So far so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. All you're trying to do with that phase is filter the junk out. You're throwing out the dead clams. You're throwing out the fish that aren't the right kind of fish. You're throwing out the squid. You're throwing out the coral. You're throwing out all the, the litter and trash. You're throwing out everything that is not the thing you can't immediately throw out. Right? You're looking for doesn't have enough experience, didn't go to the right school, doesn't have the right title. It's titles too high, titles too low. Just throwing stuff out doesn't have the requisite experience, doesn't have the requisite skill set, doesn't have, doesn't have, doesn't have, throw out, throw out, throw out. And then you take that 100 to somewhere between, let's say, 50 and 80. You you throw out 50 to 80 of those those people because they just don't meet the qualifications. And you're left with, let's just for the sake of numbers, call it 20. You've got 20 more resumes, applications, of people who really want, who really thought and spent a little bit of time and energy putting their resume together, filling out your horrible application via via phone or whatever, and are hoping to hear something positive back from you. 80 of them just got the form, and we'll talk about the form in a second because the form sucks. You got 20, and your job there is to say, okay, let's take a slightly deeper dive. Let's not take the 10 seconds to say, do they have that skill? Nope, out, but instead to say, okay, let's actually read the resume this time. And let's actually see, oh, it says JavaScript, but you just meant learning JavaScript, not experience with, out, right? You go through that process. You get a little more in-depth in your winnowing process, and you take hopefully, those 20 and you find or maybe you do a stack rank and say I'm just going to give the hiring manager the top four or five. And it depends on your relationship with the hiring manager. Sometimes the hiring manager is expecting you to come to them with one candidate who's exactly right. Sometimes they're expecting you to come with 10 candidates who one of whom could be right, but you don't know. You'll let them make the decision how much power you're going to cede to them. And sometimes it's about, look, there's not enough people, we got to go back. Whatever your process is, you're taking that 20 to about let's call it 10 and 10 of those get phone screens and you're looking for the process of obviously you're not saying can they do the job you're really looking for do they have a second head do they have some base level you're asking some experience i know that you know things like hey can you tell me the difference between a join and a union query and sql no guess what you don't actually know enough sql buy throw it out oh you do great good cool passing you along and then you bring the hiring manager five, three or five people and they do interview pools and they filter through and they pick one hopefully and they pick one and that's great but what happens to all the discards now you have run through a process in which you cast a net as wide as humanly possible to attract as many human beings and raise their hopes and expectations to your brand to your company to your job all to throw all but one of them away How does a business like this succeed? (laughs) In what other industry does this make any kind of sense, right? This is insane. In a world perhaps where, let's call it 20 years ago, when there was so much more talent than there was people to fill those roles, when the recruiters had power because they had the job in their hot little hands, when the hiring manager had all the power because they had the leverage and there were uh, more uh, people fighting for that job than there were jobs to fight for, that made perfect sense. Burn all the people you want burn them all. Who cares? Who cares? But we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a very different world. We live in a world where there are more jobs than people. And people who are talented at jobs are selective. They get to choose. They are not on their hands and knees begging supplicant style, please, sir, can I have a job? No. What they're saying is, "Hmm, you know, I'm thinking about applying, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe you should take me to dinner before I think about applying. Maybe you should tell me something. Maybe you should woo me. Maybe you should send me a fidget spinner and a, or a, I don't know, a bookmark or a pen or a water bottle to get me, encourage me to apply for this job. The shoe is on the other foot. And we now live in a world where there are more jobs than talent, and yet somehow we're still burning 99% of the people who apply for a job. And when I say burn, let's start with that form letter. Let's start with that warm, hot, steaming pile of love that was written by lawyers and overseen by HR, which of course is the magic recipe for a loving, warm letter. Let us be fair. Anybody who's ever been divorced, anybody who's ever been served, anybody who's ever um, gotten fired knows the warm, loving embrace of an HR letter written hand-in-hand with legal It's like a Barry White album. It really is. It's just, it makes you all warm inside. It makes you want to just sing and dance. Makes you want to learn gospel music, right? Makes you want to do amazing things. No, 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 of course not, because it's shit. It's crap, it's bullshit. It is, and let us have for a moment, a moment of clarity that says, what is the purpose of that form letter? First off, (laughs) all of you who assume your ATSs are sending form letters, half of you are wrong half of you are ghosting black holing your candidates and you don't even know it you think the system's working the system thinks it's sending the email but how many people actually get it if you surveyed people and you said if you sent out 10 resumes how many responses would you get most people would say about half hell even a third's too many This is a world in which I know my credit card, when my credit card payment is due, it sends me an email, I do the thing, it sends me a confirmation. If I order something on Amazon, it sends me the order confirmation, it sends me another email saying the order is shipped, it sends me another email saying the order's been delivered. I get all those emails. Yet somehow you ghost me one-third, one-half the time. You may not realize you're doing it, but go check. How? Go apply for a damn job see what happens go make up a fake email address and apply for a job go get rejected go see what happens anywho but you get that form letter the form letter that has the the warmth of i don't know a tinfoil squid i don't know no one wants this no one gets this letter and goes all right i get it no totally get it no i i, I get it i man, you know what i can't wait to apply again i get it no one gets that letter why again see legal and hr and because the thing is, recruiters have abdicated the disposition process to the form letter, right? They have said, I don't have to worry about it. The form letter says, I, I, the form letter is going to take care of it. And they, we justified ourselves, right? We justify the process by saying, look, the lawyer saw it and there's no way we can get sued because the lawyer saw that email and no one will say anything stupid that will get anybody in trouble. No one will say, well, yeah, we're sorry you didn't get the job because you're too old, you're too black, you're too Jewish, you're too woman, you're too pregnant, you're too whatever, too short, tall, disabled, not disabled, whatever. And that's how you get sued Uh, since the letter doesn't do anything like that it's a safer letter it keeps us from getting sued it's good good for who the purpose of that letter is to keep you from getting sued and to let you check the box to say I have completed my process but really if you dig down hard the purpose of that letter is to tell the candidate to fuck off to say You are no longer being considered for this job. Do not email the recruiter. Do not call the recruiter. Do not call the hiring manager. Fuck off. That form letter is a big fuck you and go away. And my apologies for those of you in a car with children. Hey kids, stay in school. But the letter is not designed to create warm emotions. The letter is not designed to close a loop. The letter is designed to say go away. Go read your letter. I'll wait. See, there's no, even when you say things like, look, if you see other jobs, blah, 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 blah. It's designed to say you are no longer being considered. Do not engage with someone this thing. Whining about it will not help. Bugging people will not help. Go away and let us do our jobs. Again, if you are telling 90 to 95% of your customers, potential customers, people who walk in the door to fuck off and to not bug them, you were either in the business of selling drugs, and you're not. Mostly, there are some pharma people who listen to this, or you're a recruiter, because those are the only businesses in which that work. The only business. You know what? I love coffee, but if every time, if, if if one time out of ten I went to get coffee, somebody said, told me to fuck off, I'd be, I'd find a way to find something else to drink, right? And that's one time out of ten, not even ninety nine percent. And yet here you are, burning, burning all of your bridges. Not you personally. You're not an asshole. You're not a jerk. I like you. We like each other. We're friendly. We're friends. When I meet you, you're fantastic. I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming a system. I'm blaming an entire system that you have to live with and I say have to, yeah, maybe you don't. We'll talk about that. But you are supporting a system that says 99% of you can go fuck off. Now, the handful of people who do not get the form letter get the recruiter phone call that is effectively the same as the thanks but no thanks, how many of you give feedback? Maybe 10 20%, maybe. And I I don't mean feedback like, hey, you weren't a good fit. I mean feedback that the candidate can say, okay, the fact that I gave you a full day of my time and energy and showed up and took a day off of work and showed up in all pretty dress and answered all your stupid ass questions and showed up and did the little dance and told you all the stories having gone through that i learned something useful for the next time meaning hey next time don't tell so many stories about your grandma or maybe tell more stories about your grandma or you didn't really show us that you had leadership potential even though turns out you've been a leader you forgot to tell the story that's useful information that's valuable actionable feedback that you can use and frankly that it's the sort of thing that people pay pay career coaches for right to learn that stuff that's a, that's, a, that's a decent transaction. I spent my day interviewing with you, but you taught me something about myself and gave me more valuable, useful information feedback so that I can be better the next time. That's a fair trade. When you just say it wasn't a good fit, we went another way, the job went away, blah, 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 blah. That is the vocal equivalent of the form letter. Again, not feeling the warm embrace of the brand, which is hilarious because if you're a branding person, you're thinking, oh my God, Oh my God, all the work we're doing, the career site, the videos, the campaigns, the hashtags, the social media, all that stuff we're doing, we're bringing him in. We're doing a great job bringing him, and then we're telling the fuck off. Oh God. Yes, and that is the exact appropriate response. It should be fear. It should be terror. It should be a quiet place bird box level of, oh my God, what have we done? Employer branders, my peoples my loves of my lives, you got to fix this problem because there's no way we can survive in a world where a bad candidate experience turns into a bad glass door review, turns into a social post where people complain about you. Has anyone seen the social post where the woman uh, talked about the male hire, talking about the male hire manager in the developer job and how brutal it was and she made all the notes and feedback public? That company's in trouble. That company's firing people now. You've seen it. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to pile on, though, frankly, they deserve it. Um, If you haven't seen it, then, you know, maybe you're an under under rock. I get it. But that's how people get fired. And if you have a bad experience, you're not going to apply again. And so when the recruiter says, I can't find anybody to take this job. I can't find anybody to talk to. I can't find anybody. There's no great talent out there. That's bullshite. I'm going to rec fest in london i gotta practice those words Scheit, not the other one um scheisse that's german that's all i i, I know and swear i can talk in swears um it's all bullshit it's all crap it's all a load of bollocks it's all nothing it's all a it's all junk right none of that makes any sense because there's plenty of talent out there i know great talent you know great talent your friends are talented your friend's friends are talented your friend's boss is talented we all know so many talented people to say that there's not enough talented people out there is a lie what we are actually saying when we say things like we talent's not out there is that they don't want to talk to us it's almost as if 50 years of burning candidates who don't aren't exactly the right species of fish aren't exactly the right size of fish who even when they are still get a verbal form letter it's almost as if burning all those candidates has some sort of negative karmic repercussion in which suddenly people don't trust us and people don't want to talk to recruiters it's almost as if we've dug our own hole almost or exactly that look how would you want to be treated? And I know golden rule is just so cliche for me. Um, it's such a hack, but there it is. Honestly, I think if a recruiter doesn't go at once a year, should be applying for 10 other jobs in 10 other places just to see what it's like and to take their recruiting hat off. Because when I posted this on LinkedIn, all the feedback back, all the complaints about, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, That's not true. They're all from recruiters. All of them. Every employer, brand person, every candidate person liked that liked that post like crazy, hundreds of likes. People who get it go, yeah, that's 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 stupid. Recruiters want to complain, they want to quibble, they want to fight, and I get that, I get that. I'm telling them the way they're doing the job is stupid, and I'm not being personal about it. I'm saying, look, it's the system, not the person. You just shouldn't be playing a role in that system. First thing you should do, you know, really, when I say you should, as a recruiter, go apply other jobs, don't do it as a recruiter. Do it as a human being. Do you feel good about this brand after the process is done? And I know these are all brand new thoughts and ways of seeing the world that me and my ilk of employer brand professionals have have pushed upon you to say, yeah, you have to think like a marketer a little bit. Yeah, you have to think about a brander. Yeah, your job is actually to create positive relationships, not to put button seats. I'm sorry I moved the goalposts on you. So sorry, but here we are. By the way, it's not just us. We are simply the outcome of a series of problems that we need to solve, right? So you need as a recruiter to think about how does every action create or destroy positive brand impressions, right? When I say, hey, we'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have coffee and you ghost on them. What do you think that does? And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but I found a great candidate. I didn't need to talk to them. Yeah, but you just pissed that person off you just pissed that person off. In a world where there are unlimited fish, I guess that's fine, I guess, but this isn't a world with unlimited fish. This is a world where the fish talk to other fish. This is a world where if that person's a nurse, guess what they're gonna do? Talk about the crap you just handed them, the crap sandwich you just handed them to all the other nurses they know, which by the way is a lot more nurses than you know. And by the way, they have a lot more credibility than you do so when they say this company totally ghosted on me and they suck, that's gonna burn all of your good work. That pretty video, the great career site, uh, the the well-written job descriptions. It burns all those good intentions, destroys them. Tiny little bonfire, poof, gone. I paint pictures with words. That's the problem. In our, I say our because we're all connected here. We're all trying to make this work, right? We're all trying to make this better. In our haste, in our zeal, in our lust for getting that one person to take that one job, we are missing the bigger picture. We are missing all of the people we're pissing off to get that one person. And we don't realize—and the feedback loop is so slow and soft that we don't realize that perhaps one of those 99 people who got a form letter, they would have been good at the candidate or they as a, as in the job or, more likely, In a year with a year's worth of experience, they'd be amazing in another job, but they're never going to talk to you ever, ever, ever again. You get broken up with. Do you go back and say, hey, maybe we can try again? No, you got more pride than that. And again, 18 to 20 million businesses in North America, and let's not even talk about Europe and Asia. Plenty of other choices. Why go back? You're not the only game in town. And this is the fate that recruiters found themselves in. This is the 99% problem in our lust and zeal to find the 1% whom fit the bill. And and if we think about things on a job level basis, I need to put the butt in this seat for this job as if that's the only thing you have to do, That as if there's not another wreck coming down the pipe, as if as a ac- person who hires accountants, you're not going to find another accountant. Why piss off all the accountants to find the one accountant? Now that The next time you go back, they're not going to talk to you. Most of you do not have systems that say, hey, the five people I brought in for the interviews who are qualified at least to talk to you, maybe they didn't get that job, maybe they got edged out, but they might be great at another job. Most of you do not have tools to build and nurture those leads. You don't. You're talking about it, you're thinking about it, you know how important that is, you know how valuable and amazing it would be to say when the second rec comes for an account, you go, you know what, hiring manager person, I don't have to put this out. The, the second place finisher on that other job is amazing and this is exactly the right fit for them. They weren't a perfect fit for that job, but they'd be a perfect fit for this. Let's turn our time to fill from three months to three weeks. Sound good? Do that a couple times and you're a hero, but you need tools to do it. You are not superhuman. You are super, you are just not super person, Superman or woman or girl or boy. I don't know. Dog. I don't know. Was there a super dog? There's a bat everything, so why wouldn't there be a super dog? Why not? Anywho, you can't be expected to do this that's a herculean task to ask an individual that's why we have to create systems that understand that recruiters should not be expected to just burn 99 people to get one which by the way full disclosure that's how the systems work (laughs) look around tell me that everything around you isn't designed to maximize the number of people to consider the job and apply it that that every single thing you touch isn't about making the dragnet bigger because spoiler That's what every tool is there for. There are very, 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 very few tools designed to make fewer applications, very few. Most of the tools you use are there to create more applications, regardless of where they come from, regardless of who they are, regardless if they can do the job or not, right? Look around, tell me I'm wrong, because I'm not. Thanks so much for listening. A little longer, that was a good long podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, we're getting rated like crazy uh, or we're getting ranked in eight countries on iTunes. It's nuts. For some reason, I'm the number 130th most in- downloaded podcast and in- business podcast in Ireland. Howdy, folks, he says in a Texas accent. Um, yeah it's fantastic i really really appreciate you sharing i appreciate you asking questions i appreciate uh suggesting topics i appreciate when you tell your friends i appreciate when you post it on social i really do otherwise uh i'm having a busy year this year i'm going to travel do a lot of speaking if i happen to be in town with you say hello if i happen to be an event that you're at come find me come shake my hand come say hello do not be shy i am actually a much nicer tamer human being in person than i am on this podcast uh just so you know uh, my wife will tell you so. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I, I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show, or just you know general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent at the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.